Welcome everyone, the red light is on and we are recording. This is Mark back for another episode of the Veteran Semi-Professional. So this is an interview show. And so normally on the show, I would have a veteran on and we're talking about their life and career after the military, but uh, I'm working to bring some non-veterans on who are nonetheless doing something to impact and you know positively influence the, the veteran community. And that can happen in a lot of different ways. So I'm super excited for today's guest. So if you've been listening to the show, you know that I've done two episodes already uh, with Lisa Forrester and John all talking about entrepreneurship through acquisition. So acquiring businesses and like what that can do for you and how that can be a path towards pursuing you know, an entrepreneurial journey while reducing a lot of the risk of necessarily a startup. So super pumped for today's guest because he's going to be able to shed a lot of light on both like the, the investor side and then like why people want to work with veterans and what he's been doing to, to work with that as well. So Steve, if you could take a minute and just introduce yourself to everybody. Awesome. Well, well, thanks for having me. Excited to be on the podcast. Um, yeah, so so my background, I come from a, a family of public servants. So uh, my dad spent 40 years in the IRS, not not the coolest uh, government agency. And uh, his father was in the military and the postal service, uh, also come from a family of teachers, and then a, a number of entrepreneurs. And that's kind of what I ended up in my career, government entrepreneurship. Uh, I went to Miami of Ohio uh, for college during kind of the Ben Roethlisberger era. If there's any sports fans out there. Awesome. Awesome. And, and then I went to Penn for a grad school under a Homeland Security scholarship. Uh, I was studying social network analysis and terrorism, uh, and they funded my education. And I got my master's, started working for Homeland Security and technology jobs. I worked for the inspector general, everyone's favorite. And then I went over and worked at uh, ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, working in technology. I eventually left and started a company called GovLoop.com, which is a social network for government employees. Um, there's a number of sites like that in the military, maybe Rally Point's familiar to some right. listeners. Uh, basically, think of the, the similar, but for federal, state, local uh, government employees. And we grew that business and sold it to a software company called GovDelivery. If you ever got an email or text message from, say, the White House or CDC or uh, your local base, it's probably from them. Uh, and we grew that business and sold it to a private equity shop called Vista Private Equity, where I stayed for a while as an executive, and then eventually joined a friend who had a small law enforcement software company called Callio, and got to help build a great business there, supporting uh, a law enforcement and investigators. And we grew that business and sold it to Motorola. And uh, so, kind of career has been mostly in government, technology, entrepreneurship, and then I've always loved investing, and so I've been actively investing in government. Uh, startups. And then I think the nature of today's call, I got really interested in investing in entrepreneurship through acquisition about four or five years ago. And uh, that kind of started my ETA journey. Super cool. And, and what, what I like about your story, you know, so normally most of my guests are, are, are vets, but nonetheless, like you kind of started off your career in government service. So it wasn't necessarily that you're going to work for, you know, a big Fortune 500 company or a, a fancy consulting firm or something. You You were also, you know, working in government service and then you started off your your first business from something that the seed was planted from serving in the government, right? Yep. Like it was the same kind of thing. So I, I've had a number of, of, of guests on this show who you know, found some type of opportunity, found some type of space, saw some type of niche from their time in the military or the time in government service. And they're like, you know, I can make a business opportunity out of this. And then when they left the government, like that's when they started something on. So I, I, I love that path. 
Awesome. Yeah, no, it's uh, those are my favorite government businesses where it's it's some weird niche where uh, I just invested in one that helps airplanes uh, land at the airport. And it's only if you knew that that world, you know what exact software right. needs to be built. Uh, I've done a, one that's in actually uh, home ex- exemptions or homestead exemptions. So if you're own a home and you have to, you know, you get an exemption on some of your property tax, but it helps aggregate that data to catch the people that aren't telling the truth and Always the best government startups and military startups, I feel, are uh, just kind of scratching your own niche, which is cool. Yeah. And and I I always personally love just finding like super niche businesses that it's like, this is such a thing that people probably didn't even know was a problem. And there's probably such a handful of people that knew how to address whatever the thing is. And like whoever went one of those handful of people was like, you know what? I'm going to be the person and like, I'm going to make this happen and figure out some type of solution to whatever this kind of small problem is. Exactly. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So how did you get into investing into ETA? So as I was mentioning, so I love entrepreneurship. I love uh, backing uh, folks trying to change the world a little bit. Uh, and, right. And so I'd done that in DC and in GovTech and really loved it. And then basically a friend of a friend had done entrepreneurship through acquisition. He had done it the kind of traditional search fund way. And I just went down the rabbit hole, which some people do. There's a couple kind of classic books. There's the the Red Book, you know, it's like the right. Red Bill, the Red yeah. Book at Harvard uh, Business School uh, about buying a business. There's another one, uh, Buy Then Bill. There's some great podcasts, including yours. And so I went down the rabbit hole, search funder, and started just meeting people and learning a lot about it. And it, it really just uh, intrigued me. And then eventually, I invested in a couple search fund of funds. So these are funds that invest in searchers. And that got me kind of access uh, to searchers. And then um, I also, during that time, teamed up with a, a good friend in D.C., a guy named Alex Mears, who uh, served in Navy intelligence and uh, also works Carlisle, Bain, so kind of large cap uh, private equity. So kind of finance hat, means the operator right. hat. And we just started doing deals together. And uh, over the last few years, we've done um, you know 20 to 25 deals where we've invested in an actual company and another around 20 uh, searchers where we back that are kind of early on in their search. And uh, it's been a ton of fun. And at a macro level, we invest across all types of folks. So we've invested in US and international. We both have experience uh, abroad, which is great. And then in the US, we've done uh, lots of different types of businesses. So uh, we both have an expertise in software. So we've invested in a number of software businesses, but we've done kind of the classy, uh, dirty services businesses. We've done home restoration. We've done lawn care. We've done security automation, uh, water purification. Uh, and it's been uh, a lot of fun doing it the last few years on the investment side. I, I wanted to just make like a, a quick statement for everyone listening right now. So one, mentioned Steve mentioned two books, which uh, I've mentioned a lot either on the show or the newsletter or something of uh, the HBR Guide to Buying a Small Business, for, uh, which I'm now going to refer to as the Red Book. I love that. Uh, and Buy Them Build, which are, if, if anyone does anything, if you talk to anybody about ETA, they will eventually mention those two books. So classic ones to read. And then just a quick recap for everyone on what a search fund is specifically. So a traditional search fund. Basically, you would go to a group of investors, raise some money, and that initial pot of money is meant to help cover the cost of you searching for a business. Okay. So it's typically somewhere in like the the couple hundred thousand dollar range, right? And like you would be drawing a salary from that. And then like the rest of the money would go to doing doing due diligence on finding the right kind of business. And once you find the right business, you would go back to those investors. They put in the rest of the money, and then you acquire this this larger business. It's kind of the the, the brief uh, the brief rundown of it. So, Steve, I'm I'm kind of interested 
so you, you do both startup investing, but also ETA investing, right? And from like a very generalized sense, you know, startup investing is like, it's a, it's the it's a sexy way to invest, right? It's the, it's the, the big returns you're kind of thinking. And then ETA is kind of the opposite. Like you're looking for those kind of dirty, boring service businesses that aren't necessarily going to have the same type of like explosive growth, but we'll just kind of print cash out year after year. So I'm kind of interested, like, like how do you, what attracted you to one after kind of starting out in the other? Yeah. So I, you know, I think of startup investing as uh, you're trying to do nine strikeouts for one grand slam if the baseball analogy. And so that's just kind of the pitch. So you really don't want to hit a bunch of singles and that's just kind of not how the game's played. Um, and there's a part of me that's uh, just historically just loved, you know, value investing kind of Warren Buffett and Constellation Software. So these kind of hitting singles and doubles. And I think that's what attracted me to ETA is uh, ETA is a little more hitting those doubles and triples. And, and there can be some home runs as well. And I like that. Uh, ETA also has a little bit of my past experience in private equity where I saw, hey, if you buy an existing business and put more resource, resource to it, capital, smart people on it, you really can grow the, these businesses. And um, so I love that it's got a little bit of the the private equity kind of value, how you create value. But, um, you know, it's got a lot more fun than private equity. Private equity often has a bad rep that's somewhat true of just kind of a little bit cold in New York and uh, right. money guys. And it's uh, ETA's really got a backing a great entrepreneur and supporting them on an entrepreneurship journey. Because all, all these folks in general are the first time they've ever been a CEO. So it's a pretty big jump, even though, uh, you know, in this case, say a great veteran who's led lots of different people and lots of different missions, great leadership skills, it will still be a big transition, even if they've gone to a top tier MBA to be a CEO for the first time. And so that's kind of exciting uh, as an investor to, to help support him or her in that journey. Uh, that's a little bit different than private equity, which is often, hey, we'll put in the CEO who's done it the four times already. This is a point I really want to hop on for a second because I've had a number of conversations with people and you know I've brought up the idea of... Uh, of ETA. And the pushback I usually get, and the first things they'll say is, well, Mark, Mark, I've never run a business before. I don't know how to run a company. I I can't do that. I've got to go get some other experience before I can go do that. So can you kind of talk about, you know, one, how many people you've, you've worked with who uh, have stepped right into the role right away. And then maybe like why that, that mindset necessarily isn't, isn't accurate. Yeah. And, um, I'll, I'll start with a frame. So I think when, when people look at, at searchers, so, there's kind of a, a few different characteristics folks will look for um, in their kind of past experience. So, you know, one is, hey, will this person be able to find a deal? So have they done any deal sourcing before? Um, people who have done are usually investment bankers or private equity. Two, have they like been a financial modeler, right? Have they been able to get a deal and, and do the financial model and get debt, understand how debt works? Three, can they, once they're in the, in the seat, can they come up with strategic plans, you know, uh, analyze data, see what they have in front of them and come up with a strategy? Uh, four, can they lead and manage people? Because it's great to have a strategy, but we all know it just comes down to people. Can you recruit? Can you retain? Can you inspire great people? And then fifth is, you know, at the end, can you help exit the business, you know, once it's grown? And so when I look at searchers, there's a, a lot of folks that will hit different parts of those five. And you don't need to hit all five. Right. And sometimes you'll have two people that do it together and they're kind of a complementary skill set. Uh, but in this analogy, let's just talk about one individual. Sometimes you'll find folks that have come from a private equity background. They know deal diligence be- 
they've done that before. They know how to source, they know how to do modeling, but really they've never managed one. They've been an individual contributor. They never led teams. And so what we found with uh, veterans is really strong on managing leading people, uh, really good on actually strategy too. A, a lot of the military is about military strategy and whether that's small or big, it's very strategic. And so a uh, part of the work, what we saw in creating search and acquire with Alex, which I'll talk about is we probably have back maybe 10 or 15 veteran searchers. And we found they're like 10 out of 10 at those two uh, areas. And the other three areas, they may need a little bit more support that, than other searchers. And so that's why we created a nonprofit called Search and Acquires to help veterans in ETA. We're helping them, put them provide specific resources and support uh, around their ETA journey. That might be uh, just a little bit different. They're going to be stronger in some areas. And traditionally, slightly weaker than in others. You know, obviously, there's some veterans that have been bankers before, so it's not all the same. And uh, that's been our approach. Well, we'll definitely get to search and acquire here in a second. Uh, but I, I really appreciate that explanation because you know the, the same people who tell me, "Well, I've never run a business before." You, you think you you automatically pull yourself out of the option pool when you say like I can't do something or like I don't have this level of expertise or like I, I don't know how to do this or like if you're hearing you know, oh man, I have to know how to do financial modeling. And like, you're automatically taking yourself out. We, we can all figure that out. You know, I had a conversation with an investor a couple of weeks ago who was like, listen, I, I don't necessarily need people that know how to do financial modeling. I, I don't need people who know how to do the accounting and everything. Like we can help you out with that. He's like, I need people yep. who, who know how to work teams and know how to lead people. And like all the other stuff that goes around that we can, we can help you out with. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to see that like, that's kind of part of the, the, the foundational ethos of search and acquire. So I guess kind of like where did the the idea for search and acquire your, your nonprofit step in and like what's it kind of shaping out to be? Yeah, so really uh, that was part of what we were <clears> saying. So basically, as I mentioned earlier, Alex and I investing actively in the, in the search community and uh, really enjoy it and, and lots of different types. I said U.S., internationally, veteran, non-veteran. And the more we did it, we, we really found uh, we were really excited to work with veteran searchers for the variety of reasons um, mentioned before. But a couple unique things that we saw were one is, uh, as mentioned, they're just uh, extraordinary at some categories and others, they just needed uh, specific extra help and support around it. And, and luckily, the, those are the, one, the skills we have, right? Like Alex, uh, you know, teaches financial modeling at PE right. firms. And so we've done a number of financial modeling training sessions. You know, I've helped uh, build and exit and source and acquire businesses so we could provide extra support around it. So that's one part we thought of, hey, education, training, support. Also, there's just some unique things. So in traditional search, when you're kind of paid to search, generally there is, uh, you have, you're agnostic on where you'll buy a business. You're basically saying, I'll find wherever I buy it. Well, that, that's a little unique if, uh, say, you, you've already moved seven times in the military and right. you have to go back to your military wife and say, hey, we're going to do it one more time. So there's just a little bit of a coaching yeah. and talk track. Yeah. And so they're just a little unique edges there. And then another thing that we found was um, two things. I guess one, veterans were that came to us, some of them were interested in buying veteran-owned companies. And I think that's a really unique uh, opportunity where veteran sellers like selling to veteran uh, buyers. Uh, and those are both just general businesses that happen to be owned by veterans. Um, but then there's also a special category of veteran-owned government contractors. And that right. could be a veteran-owned government contract. could be a service-disabled veteran-owned contractor. And those um, those kind of are, are hard for the seller to sell. So they need a unique veteran. So right. when we think, we think of search and acquire, 
we think of it in a couple ways. So one, it's you know helping uh, excite that veteran entrepreneur who who may be talking themselves out of like, hey, I don't think I'm up for it. I don't have the skill sets. Getting them into ETA, supporting them in ETA, but then also helping support you know veteran owners as, hey, this is a good conduit to to learn about selling your business to a, a veteran buyer. Um, I've talked to a number of uh, business owners, and they're like, I didn't know that was a thing, right? And and so that's been uh, fun as well. And so we've done things. One of our advisors is uh, Paul Lawrence, who's the head of Veterans Benefits Administration under the last administration. And he's done a lot uh, helping kind of share what he found about what we're doing. He was like, that's amazing. I didn't know this is a thing. Yeah. Uh, what a great way to connect veterans to veterans in a very interesting ecosystem. I, I think that's a, a great little niche again, though, is if you have a, a veteran-owned business, especially if you're into government contracting or something, it's kind of... Like that business is reliant on the fact that a a service disabled veteran or, or veteran is is running that business because like that's how you get the designation, right? So then like to continue the business going, you have to find someone else like with that that, that similar profile to come in and, and and run the business. So it's a great way for someone who is, you know, trying to figure out to do post military. You can probably find some type of government contracting business where someone's looking to exit it and it could be, you know, in the field you were working in that you already kind of understand and know about. And now like you have the the right profile to step in and let that person go on and continue to do something else while you get the chance to, to run a great government contracting business. Yeah. We've seen that. Uh, the, my favorite are like yours, the, 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 the extreme niches. So we talked to right. a, a former Navy, Navy new, new guy who was looking to buy, buy business in that very specific world. Um, I've looked at some folks that were in the, kind of the shipbuilding world. Um, so we've, we've seen all branches of the military, including the Coast Guard. Who, who some people don't count, but uh, kidding to my Coast Guardies out there. Um, and uh, so it's been interesting, just even the, the variety of niches that you don't think about. Like I wouldn't think of shipbuilding. I wouldn't think about Navy nukes. I mean, I would I'd think of some of the, the classic uh, blocking and tackling of military contracting, but um, there's so many sub markets, which are really interesting. There's a lot of folks I've talked to out of cyber, you know, a lot of uh, yeah. cybersecurity going on military that taking that expertise into cyber related companies, either that sell into government or some have even looked at, uh, there's a lot of these called MSSPs that are um, service providers providing cybersecurity services to small businesses. And you know, right. what, what better own than a, a great uh, military trained cyber expert to run a business like that. Right. Something I'm super curious about from the, the investor's perspective. So you know, we, we kind of talked about why your uh, anyone who's listening, the reasons you may be telling yourself about why you're not qualified to to search and then acquire something, but can we kind of talk about the the operational side? So, like once the acquisition is done, what role do the investors play in like operating and then you know the future strategy of the business? That's a good question. So I'd say there's two, there's a couple different approaches to it. So there's kind of generally there's like, are you going to create a official board for the company? So uh, definitely the larger acquisition, there's an official board with say three to four folks on it, usually the the searcher CEO, and then three, maybe two investors and one outside expert. So say if you were doing a business in uh, Navy nuclear, you know, it could be the CEO, two investors, and then maybe a person who didn't invest, but is just an expert in that space or has built businesses in that space. And they generally meet on a quarterly uh, board meeting. Uh, and as part of that, there's a, you know, a board packet where they review strategy and then all of that is passed to the other investors. And then generally the other investors, we're all here to support him or her. So, um, you know, a good, follow up in those quarterly board meetings or, Hey, I'm looking for X, you know, here's the update. I'm trying to hire these three roles. I'm trying to get connections in these 
these couple industries or these couple buyers. Um, and that's generally that's approach. On smaller deals, it can be slightly different where it could be a looser advisory board where um, doesn't have the full quarterly board meetings and packets, but um, it could be a, a quarterly a light review with all the investors, especially on self-funded deal, or even even not a quarterly official meeting, but you know a regular cadence providing investor updates in that world. So it is really on the searcher to decide on the smaller businesses what they want and, and how to engage their investors. Super cool. Well, Steve, uh, this has been a great conversation. We're coming down to the last couple of minutes and I want to be respectful of your time here. So in a minute, I'm going to pass back over to you. Just provide any last thoughts, words of wisdom that you might want to impart upon you know, a group of veterans who are thinking about what they want to do with their lives and careers after the military. Uh, but before I do, so there's a question I always ask my guests. And so normally, you know, if they're a vet, I would ask them, what was the favorite and or least favorite chow hall you ever ate at in the military? But my question for you will be, what is your favorite or least favorite airport to fly from? Oh, easy Tampa is the best. If uh, anybody really? okay, Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. Have you ever been to McDill for work? I used to live in Tampa. Okay. McDill is like can get you anywhere direct. Uh, great food, uh, good beer. Talking about beer gardens or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the local bill or Cigar City. Oh is, yeah. Uh, City is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then we'll just keep it Florida. And uh, I hate Miami airport. Just is like <laughs> chaos. And the, yeah, I don't even like Orlando yeah. airport, Orlando airport. There's no good food. So yeah, uh, we'll keep my, my Florida, uh, Tampa, Tampa wins, uh, by a lot. So I, I love that. I love that. Keep it, keep it all in the state too. Well, Steve, thanks for coming so much for coming on for the show today. I just want to pass it back over you for any thoughts. You know, you, you work with vets, uh, you, you're doing great things on search and acquire and everything. Just any last thoughts you want to part upon people as they're thinking about what they want to do with themselves post-military life. I mean, I think post-military life, tons of different options. And there's a lot of great programs out there. I've had friends use programs like Breakline to go into tech startup world out of military. Uh, I would just think of ETA, entrepreneurship through actually as another option in your toolkit. Right? And, and if you want to explore that option, um, as mentioned before, a couple great books that we'll put in the show notes, like uh, by buy, buy Build and the Harvard Red Book. Search and Acquire, we want to help provide you any help we can in that journey. It's search and acquire, just searchacquire.org. Um, and we have a quarterly newsletter. We have uh, templates of models we can share. We have webinars we can share. Uh, we have mentors we can connect you with. Uh, we're also working on a couple things in the future. So we're looking to do a veterans boot camp in person uh, in DC where Alex and I are based uh, in late fall to help provide a free workshop to help kind of talk more about ETA. So I think if you're really interested in ETA, there's a lot online you can read up on it. And I encourage you to to check out that journey. And then depending where you are in your ecosystem or your career, spend spend a few weeks trying to work for one. So a lot of them take in turns, whether it's a self-created intern to go work for a semester if you're a a military person doing an MBA, or even if you're not and just going out direct, you know, try to find two to four weeks and go, go work for a, you know, a former military leader who owns a plumbing business and see if it interests you. So, and then I'm, you can find us on the website, but also I'm really available. I'm just Steve Ressler on Twitter and, or my email is just srestler at gmail.com. And uh, really thanks for having me on the podcast. It's a, it's a great resource and, and glad you're putting it together. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Well, it's been a great conversation and really appreciate your time. So thanks for coming on the show and, uh, you know, continue to have the best level up, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Bye, Steve.